In this episode with Manu Nunes, we find out a bit more about his story with Rubayo from its early days. He gives us an insight into the importance of building a talent hub within a growing organization and how cultivating a strong culture is a key pillar for success. Along with sharing some brilliant stories from over the years, we discuss some of the biggest trends in intelligent automation and where we see Raboyo going in the future. I hope you all enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode here at All Access Automation. I'm delighted to be joined by Manu Nunez, who is the Director of Transformation and Strategy at Raboyo. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to see you. Great to have you on. We are in beautiful Barcelona this morning at the Here Comes the Sound uh, <laughs> studio. studio. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I believe that you've had some experience here before. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's very uh, lucky that you, you chose the studio where I had some DJ classes in the past. Very good. Very <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. So we know that it's great quality um, and we're looking forward to to getting into it today. We have plenty to to unpack. Um, you've been here basically since the start of Raboyo, I think. Everyone's really looking forward to hearing about your own story and the, the development that the company have had since you've been here. Um, and we're also going to dive into around the talent hub within Raboyo. So really looking forward to it. But um, you've been busy with a couple of events recently with Raboyo. Yeah, I think May is always like the the, the peak period of uh, of events, like pre summer. Yeah. So I've I, I even lost count of the all the trips that I've been doing, but I was. Yeah. Twice in Madrid, recently for a private event that mm-hmm. we are doing as part of the the All Eyes on Automation Tour, which is kind of aiming at promoting all, our main event that we'll do also here in Barcelona mm-hmm. uh, in September. I did the session also for for the same tour uh, in Lisbon, right? Yeah. So I, I got the the Iberian combo. Yeah. Um, and then we we've also been participating in a couple of let's say events that are not really. Um, let's say designed by us as, mm-hmm. as kind of a, a sponsor where we got kind of keynotes and so on. Yeah. So it's been uh, pretty pretty busy. Very good. And you had a nice location for the one in in Lisbon, I believe. Yeah. I, I mean, we we did the whole event in in the Befica Stadium. Really and, cool. And as a yeah. Befica fan, yeah, that was pretty pretty nice because I, I haven't been there for for a really long time yeah. since I, I moved away from Portugal. Uh, yeah. So that was a blast. Brilliant. Did you have any any say in organizing that? Maybe. Or? Well, I, I might have dropped the suggestion okay, okay, but nice. uh, you know marketing and did, did the work of course of course <laughs> very good so before we kind of go into it just give me a bit of background about yourself and your own interests and your own journey I suppose yeah cool I mean I have a very similar background to, to yours right so I I kind of started studying uh, a topic that was actually very far away from from technology mm-hmm. I was studying business administration yeah I had actually a, a bachelor in economics and and I think even if I look at how I spend my private time like the books I read and so on. Mm-hmm. Macroeconomics is still like a, a very big passion, passion of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I so I kind of had this let's say uh, technology like let's say passion running a little bit in parallel mm-hmm. with uh, with my studies. So it was kind of a detour I did to start working in intelli- intelligent automation, and I did it uh, par- partially as an accident. Uh, and partially also because the the masters I was actually doing, which is the Sam's masters that you yep. also did yourself, um, basically required that we did a business project with with a company mm-hmm. um, in order to to graduate. 
and you had a bunch of topics you could select from and so on. And one of the topics was a feasibility study on robotic process automation okay. yeah. uh, with Citibank. Okay. Right? I, I was living in Poland at the time, mm -hmm. and um, and I, I didn't really know what it meant, but the word robot was there. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so I actually applied for that one. I got it. And um, and then I, I kind of got my first, let's say, exposure to, to the whole theme of intelligent automation. Uh, from a business lenses, right? So we were kind of doing essentially uh, a market comparison of the technologies that existed okay. at, yeah, at yeah. the time, which are, are are still the ones that we work a lot to this day, right? It's still mm -hmm. UiPath, still Blue Prism, WorkFusion at the time, also Automation Anywhere. So we, we, we got kind of, let's say, out of the way a market, let's say, uh, comparison that we provided to, to Citibank. Um, and then we were also asked to do essentially a diagnosis. Which okay. is also so similar, similar to, the, yeah. to the stuff that we still do today of going into the business and talking to people, identifying use cases that potentially could be, mm -hmm. you know, used for, for automation. And that, that's where the, essentially the whole journey started for me. Mm -hmm. Now, at the time, I, I didn't know that I was going to in, 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 like work in, in yeah. the field, right? So I, I was kind of trying to figure out what to do after, after my master's. And I was doing a lot of, let's say, applications for more generalistic consulting, right? So yeah. I, I wanted to do consulting because I wanted to actually experience different industries, different customers, mm -hmm. and, and so on. But I, in parallel to the, the process of applying to more generalistic, uh, let's say, consultant, management consulting, yeah. I, I kind of had the, the robotic process automation topic Still in, in, your head. in yeah, my yeah, head, yeah. right? So what I did was I went, um, at the time, the Blue, Blue Prism was, was really kind of the market leader, right? Okay. So even in terms of presence in Europe, um, it was quite different, may, maybe a biased analysis that we did at the time, I, I, I don't know. But um, but just the sheer amount of let's say research that was available on Blue Prism created this kind of let's say um, intention from from my side to work in Blue Prism. Okay, and uh, I I started looking for positions in Blue Prism and they were super like hardcore tech Very positions, good, yeah, right? Yeah. Twenty years software development and so on, which which was not my profile. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I went to the the partner okay. list on the. Yeah. On the Blue Prism uh, website, and I applied for all of them, okay. all of them. Yeah, uh, like you know, fresh graduates, yeah. straight cover letter. Yeah, I'm yeah. passionate <laughs> about robotic process automation. I actually have a little experience, yeah. and uh, nobody replied. Okay, right? Yeah, one person replied, which ended up being my first boss Brilliant. Uh, from a company in Czech Republic called mm -hmm. Neops. And uh, he basically, even on the website, there was not a career page. There was just his email okay. and his introduction. Yeah. And he replied, oh, like, thanks for your interest. We're actually based in Prague. If you want to come here next week, just just come. Yeah. Um, you packed the bags. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I bought a ticket, uh, <laughs> Polsky bus, like okay. uh, the, the Flix bus of yeah, the time. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> took, a, took a night bus to, to Prague the week after. I uh, remember arriving there super early, went, went to the office to meet the team, yeah. and day one, uh, they took me to a customer, wow. right? They, okay. they had a customer that they had a pretty, pretty decent relationship with. Yeah. They asked whether they, they could bring like a, a potential new hire for, for me to see yeah. how the whole so thing So you hadn't even like. been hired yet? This no, is nothing. Just, okay, just right. like first encounter. Right. And, uh, and they took me there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sat next to Blue Prism developers okay. that were modeling processes, mm -hmm. uh, like they were explaining me what they were doing, what was the work. 
And um, and then that day after we did kind of let's say uh, like the the day at the customer, basically they 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 challenged me to um, we installed you the the foundation uh, essentially training of yeah, Blue Prism of throughout the summer. <laughs> yeah, uh, you you give it a go. Mm -hmm. If you like it, you then can join us in September. So that was okay. my my yeah, first yeah, yeah. process of uh, essentially getting Amazing. my first my first job out of uh, out of uni. Amazing. I ended up accepting, and then I was. Actually, two years there before I uh, joined Roboyo. Brilliant. <laughs> I love that story. That's great. Thrown straight into the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Very random. It's always the best way. Always yeah. the best way. So you spend a couple of years there. You're kind of honing the skills. You're really interested in it. How does Roboyo come into this? Yeah. I mean, I, I met um, Nick, mm -hmm. right, our, one of our founders, uh, through LinkedIn. Right. And one of the things that um, that came to mind during the essentially the, um, the interactions was one that he was coming from the same masters that we, we come. So I, I yep. thought I was kind of, let's say, one of the an people outlier. that, yeah, yeah an yeah, outlier, yeah. right? That mm. I did a detour into tech. Yeah. And then for me, it was, it was very kind of appealing to have a person with the of same course. background, yeah. right? Uh, so I got interested in the whole, let, let's say, invitation to, to, to talk more and know more about Roboyo, primarily because of that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the team actually invited me to come to Nuremberg. Right okay. and uh, and I went uh, to Nuremberg to meet the the founders, and um, and I I was just kind of let's say hooked immediately uh, by the level of um, ambition, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So here were three founders that had a relatively small company, right? So you mentioned in the beginning that I joined from the start, but actually they they had like already two years yeah. uh, of be before I joined, but they they were about 20, 30 people, and um, and they were telling me that they want to be the number one independent services provided for, in, at the time we didn't call it hyper automation, yeah, intelligent yeah. automation. And I thought that that was super ambitious. Yes, right? So yeah. I wanted to be part of, of the journey. So uh, essentially two months later, uh, here I was. And, and that, that's always been one of the things that I, I thought was pretty cool throughout this whole time about Roboy is that, you know, we had a lot of uh, a big journey, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we still are on that journey. But uh, essentially, the focus of of this goal, right, has uh, has stayed uh, exactly. relatively, yeah, yeah. Um, let's say, the same. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's pretty cool because you you kind of had always a guidance, and and in the bad days you remember that, in the good days you also remember that. So yeah. that was that was pretty cool. And I suppose joining when there's about twenty, thirty people to how it is now. What's that journey like, and and why you mentioned that that the goal is always there, and in, in terms of what Roboyo want to achieve, but what <laughs> why is it that you wanted to to stay with Roboyo, and why is it such a I suppose a home for you at this stage? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a good question, and, and I'm I'm asked a lot that, uh, especially now during uh, uh, interview processes, right? Yeah. I'm I'm trying to tell a little bit the story to to new. Uh, new potential staff, and and they are asking me why did you stay so course, long. Yeah. I think for for me has been a maybe a let's say a crossroads of three things, right? Mm -hmm. So I specialized very early on my career, right, which might might have been a risk, but it, it, in intelligent automation because the field is growing so much, actually I think it played in my advantage. Mm -hmm. But I wanted because I had that specialization early on, I wanted to be in a company that is actually setting the tone of the market, right? And I I see Roboyo as kind of let's say that company right mm -hmm. we're in like we are pretty good in the stuff that everyone does mm -hmm. but we are always trying to also kind of innovate the with new services yeah. and so on so that that is one bubble then the second bubble um that i wanted to to also kind of bring in my 
I guess, portfolio of, of skills was being in a place where I could be entrepreneurial, right? So mm -hmm. also, um, like, making sure that my work was actually shaping, like, part of the company and moving it forward. And because when you join a, a small company that has the ambition of growing, there's of a lot to do, I think that bubble was also checked. And then the third bubble, which uh, I didn't know at the time, but actually it turned out also pretty pretty good, was that I wanted to be in the Champions League of the projects we do, right? So mm -hmm. Working with the best brands, with the, the most challenging, well, let's say, programs and topics. Yeah. And I think because those three bubbles kind of intersected at Roboya, I was always kind of um, like very, very passionate and I, I still am to, like, to continue the journey. And yeah. I think uh, if, if you also look at those three bubbles, they're also not something that is uh, finite, right? They, they don't finish. It's like you, you, like there, there's a lot of years still to yeah, the story. Constantly developing it as well. Yeah, yeah, very good. And you mentioned that you kind of started off in Nuremberg. How did that transition to your role now as director of um, in Spain and Iberia in yeah. general? I mean, that, that was a move that I, I actually uh, proactively asked the company to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I was based in Nuremberg. And, uh, and I had one big challenge, which was I didn't speak German, mm -hmm. right? So one of the, um, I, I felt it was always, let's say, a limitation to one, connect with, with customers. Also on the personal side, mm -hmm. I ended up kind of, let's say, being on the road, uh, you know, a disproportionate uh, amount yeah. of time. Where did you go? I mean, I was a bunch in the UK. Okay. I was also a bunch in Portugal. Yeah. Um, and even in Germany, I, I, in Germany, Germany, the country is also quite big, so you, you end up traveling a lot. Yeah. But I was mostly doing uh, clients that had kind of global programs and of wanted course. to do yeah. them in, in English. Um, and at, at the time when I asked the transition, uh, the, the office in Spain was was still kind of starting, right? Getting mm -hmm. the first customers and so on. So I also thought that there was a very cool opportunity uh, in, in Spain course, to, yeah. to actually go further. And, and, and so I made the move. Yeah. And we've recently kind of moved into Portugal as well with uh, a right. new acquisition. So it's, it's great, to, great that your home country's on the map now yes. as well. So if we kind of just move into around the talent hub and what we wanted to discuss as well today you kind of see two strands within this you have the talent management of the people that are currently in Reboyo and then we have the other strand of of talent acquisition do you want to kind of just talk around that topic I suppose and, and the importance of it yeah maybe I start by defining talent hub mm -hmm. right how do we see it in in the company right so I think a talent hub for us is, is essentially an office, like the, the one we have here in, in Spain and in Portugal, mm -hmm. that has a dual role, right? As, as the role of serving like our customers globally, yeah. right? And then there's a local ambition, right? Also of going after uh, the local projects, participating in the local market and so on. And uh, we call it on purpose talent hub and not a delivery hub. It's mm -hmm. usually it's positioned kind of in the market because it's all about talent, right? So you want to have kind of a, a group of experts that, that bring to the table like the, the maximum quality you can actually do, right? So customers actually want to, to be part and then to work with, with our office. Yeah. And that obviously has a lot of implications on the talent acquisition process and on the talent management, right? Mm -hmm. So um, 
on the talent acquisition side, this is really about being out there in the market and convincing, uh, you know, the best possible talent to to join us, mm -hmm. right? And um, I think when we do this, there's a lot of stuff that we actually need to teach also our people that participate in in, in the process of mm -hmm. interviewing, of of reaching out to to potential contacts. That um, we always need to let's say take our ego off the picture and uh, try to bring people that are better than us, mm -hmm. right? So we all kind of learn from these new, uh, let's say, members of our staff, and we all continuously yeah. keep growing, right? And uh, I think we do this work, obviously, in, in great partnership with our talent acquisition team, right? That is kind of very active in trying to find, let, let's say, candidates for us. But really, the I think the primary mission is making sure that we bring people that lift the bar of quality mm -hmm. continuously. Right. And then not being afraid, oh, I'm going to get the new person joining and it's going to challenge me. No, it's yeah. it's, uh, it's we healthy need to be, competition it's, as well. Yeah. It's I, w I wouldn't call it competition is really kind of uh, working as a team to mm. to kind of uh, get better. Right. And being being comfortable. Right. For, for example, when you become uh, a line manager, mm. uh, it's it's uncomfortable that suddenly you have reputees that know more than you on a specific topic. Right. But that's your ego talking to you. Right, yeah, yeah. it's not really let, let's say a situation that is bad, right? So mm -hmm. I think that that's a little bit uh, essentially the the process on the talent acquisition side, and then when you do that, right? And uh, I I spend like also a, a great portion of my time on the other side, which is the talent management, mm -hmm. right? Really making sure that people are engaged within the company, that they have the opportunities to succeed, um, that that you kind of continuously give uh, have. Uh, feedback flowing so people get better, mm -hmm. right? So I, I I think if I look now at at the amount of initiatives that I'm doing, the, the internal ones, mm -hmm. um, a great deal of them are on the talent management side, right? Just to to mention a couple of them, like so, this year we we've piloted um, an approach here in um, in Spain, which was giving every staff on the delivery side, so everyone that does projects, mm -hmm. being a developer or a more traditional consultant business analyst, the opportunity to draft their goals for for the year okay. and have like an audience with the with the, like the the region leadership mm -hmm. to pitch their goals so they get guidance right yeah. proactively, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to getting to a performance review and people were focusing on an area that perhaps didn't bring as much value for them, for for Roboyo, for the customers, right? Mm -hmm. This also allowed us to kind of balance a little bit, let's say, the amount of enablement that we do, right? So it's it's very often that when we get a new technology, yeah. that uh, being such a technology-driven company that everyone wants to enable in that direction. Mm -hmm. But also from a sustainability of having a hub that has a lot of different skills, it's, it's obviously um, better to have kind of pockets and different teams that can support each other. And then we have actually um, the, the right level of maturity on the different technologies and services mm -hmm. to then support clients globally, also locally and so on. So yeah. that is one example. Uh, I think you've also been been exposed to the, the graduate program that we're designing now, mm -hmm. right? So creating, let's say, uh, a structured um, onboarding approach that um, younger staff that joins now from mostly from from university yeah. can actually get uh, you know a, a learning path that is more assisted right mm -hmm. and trying to minimize also that that there's a lot of friction on the learning in the first months mm -hmm. uh, which which in a technical area like ours always happens yeah 
Very good. You mentioned trying to make sure that, you know, all your resources aren't in one technology. How do you manage that, I suppose, internally and organize it where we have, you know, a good proportion of talent across all the different technology stack that we have? Yeah. Um, good question. So I'm, I'm a big believer of being uh, market driven, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a demand component to it, mm-hmm. right? That, um, that doesn't, doesn't start only with course, me. We yeah. have, we have a team, but we, the people that are advising also and cascading down priorities in terms of enablement, mm-hmm. they must be very close to also the pipeline of projects that we are now um, essentially acquiring, right? Mm-hmm. Because essentially, uh, if you enable a lot in vacuum, meaning that you do um, a lot of, let's say, e-learnings or a lot of, let's say, trainings, yeah. but you don't have the opportunity to put them in action, yeah. th- that knowledge eventually fades out, yeah. right? So I think it's very important to uh, essentially have a market view on on the, the whole thing. Obviously, then there's like a chicken and egg problem, which is um, yeah. if you're completely only driven by what you're scoping at the moment, you might also lose a little bit of, let's say, the market trends, right? So at some point, right, if, if you believe that there's a market trend, and specifically in our case, that want also to shape some of this, like thinking in our in our kind of, let's say, uh, intelligent automation ecosystem. We also sometimes need to do um, bets, right? We need to to place a bet where okay, we believe that we can actually, let's say, in this particular service, design something that is appealing for customers, mm-hmm. and then we kind of also get a core team around the topic and and we we get it moving, right? But I think it's a combination of those two. Let, let's say on the let's say on the the enablement view for the company. Right, and then I also like to to bring an aspect of the people's preferences to to the mix, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I believe that people should also try to enable in areas that they're actually going to have fun when they come to work, right? So yeah. if I just tell you to enable uh, enable in a particular technology because it's like good for a uh, boy, but yeah, yeah. but for you you're not passionate about it, um, I think that there's a let's say a you know, a bottleneck there at some point. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's short-term thinking, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're a good example of, of this, right? So like, you joined us, I think, August, right? Yeah, as a August. Yeah, yeah. full-time employee. Yeah. And at the time, we were kind of, you know, we had a couple of months where where you didn't have a project, right? Yeah. So we, we, we told you, like, okay, understand an area that you would be passionate about, build mm-hmm. your brand, and uh, and go for it, right? Yeah. And you, you somehow, like like saw the trend of conversational AI before it, ca- it came now with ChatGPT, <laughs> you took the time, you enabled, you kind of supported people that were actually driving the topic forward. And now you have a brand that people rope you in for this type of projects because you put in the work, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. But, um, but the idea is that enablement is not static, right? You need to kind of have a lot of these elastics pulling you in different That's directions yeah, and, yeah. and kind of make sure that stuff is not all enabled, all enabled in, the, um, in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And it's not getting easy also for me because there's more technologies, course, yeah. uh, more trainings to do, right? So it's, more people it's, uh, in general, more, more I people, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's a balance, right? Yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's the cool part of, of the people side of things, right? Which is really, because everyone likes enablement. Right, course, so you yeah. get a level of excitement that you don't get, for example, on a yeah. on a performance review. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a great point, and uh, by you saying that it's not a, an exact science is is so true. There's so many different factors that play into it. Um, we'll we'll discuss a few of the market trends later on, but 
that plays a part, the people's interest, like you said, and also the the actual demand that we have as well for, for projects. So, no, very good. If we switch it now to the talent acquisition side of things, the graduate program that you mentioned, you were working with um, students similar to yourself back in the day, similar to me, where you have a business project, you're helping to, to kind of develop this. What are you kind of looking, I suppose, for this? And what's the goal of, of once these new graduates are on board, what's their journey like within Reboyo? Yeah, so the, the goal of the graduate program, I think it's, there, there are several goals. There, there's micro, like a macro goal mm -hmm. of like, let's say attracting talent. Yeah. Right, but then there's also like sub goals of this, right? So one of the goals, I think it's making sure that your onboarding is more structured, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's one of the pains of, of growing uh, so fast as, as we've been doing that your, the onboarding as we had, it's like, up to date might have been a little bit checklist based right mm -hmm. so you get uh, you know you get a body you get a, like a structure to it like a, a 30 day a 60 day and a mm -hmm. 90 day but it's it's kind of designed to settle you in in the company and there's an important component which is which is also the knowledge right giving you the knowledge um, like to to actually then perform at, at the level that uh, like we want and that people also want for themselves mm -hmm. so that's one goal, right? The second goal is also, um, you know, making sure that in terms of talent profile, we actually are attracting kind of people from the, like the coolest backgrounds, the best schools, like people that by default, like this kind of global environments like we have, right? Mm -hmm. We're, we're pretty Very international, international yeah. company, right? Yeah. And if you are not that style of, of person, might be a little bit shocking, right? So English mm -hmm. is the, the the English that all the materials are done at, right? So here in Barcelona, we have, I don't know, like 40 nationalities, right? So it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And uh, and so that that kind of filtering, it's also, um, you know, a big, big component. And then I guess the, the, the third one is like instill a level of culture Mm -hmm. on on people from day one right that we are here to help them that like the company is willing to invest in these kind of formats to to also make make life easier for for you as an employee and give you the platform then to bring the level of ownership and and go for it right so we designed the program to actually have three phases right mm -hmm. so the the, fir the first phase is really let's say a little bit kind of the, the basics of onboarding so getting to know physically going to um, Nuremberg, our headquarters, mm -hmm. getting getting sessions from um, that span from you know strategy of the company and history of the company all the way to getting a session with the, the academy to know what the academy does, course, doing yeah. a session with managed services. So getting the full, uh, I guess, uh, 360 view of the company, mm -hmm. right? Who does what, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then you start with the three months, which I think it's the at least the parts we took. The most care on designing, but and I also think the more important, which is three months learning path, mm -hmm. where you have a mix of um, you know e-learnings, you have a mix of uh, like certifications you do, a mix of on-site visits where you are rotating different uh, Roboyo offices yeah. in order to kind of you know do a preparation that allows you then from month four, month four and a half, yeah. to actually be ready to start onboarding. 
um, customer projects, right? Mm -hmm. So we then look for customer projects that have kind of a larger team so people can embed like and, and still kind of feed off learning from colleagues, from customers mm -hmm. and so on. So the, the whole idea is to have kind of a structured onboarding that, that makes life easier, right? Yeah. So. I mean, you can remember your onboarding. Yeah. For sure, it was less structured than this. And I can definitely remember my onboarding <laughs> that there was no imagine. structure, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, that's, that's the whole goal. It's making it kind of easier for, of for new hires. You mentioned the word culture there, trying to, I suppose, bring the graduates into a space where they feel welcome, where they feel that they can grow personally and, and improve in, in different areas. We've grown a lot even since I joined last year. Um, how do you kind of, I suppose, cultivate that culture, continue that it's that it's spread across the company and I suppose integration in general with with new acquisitions and, and continuing with the one Reboyo. How has that been? Has it been a challenge? You've enjoyed it, obviously, but just talk me a bit about how that happens. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get easier. No, it, no? like it doesn't get easy. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> cu culture is is a tough one, right? And uh, and f first, it, I think it's a tough one to define it, mm -hmm. and then it's also a tough one to understand what to do. Of course, uh, to to actually make sure it stays at the level you want to, right? So at least the way I think about it, and uh, definitely not my thought, but like I, I read a book from Ben Horowitz. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he has he has this kind of like module, which is you have a square, which is culture as you define it on on the page, right? On, on yes. your website. I feel like I've seen this before, and so yeah. on, right? <laughs> and then yeah, you did. Right? We did a workshop on <laughs> yeah. this. And then you have the let's say the larger box yeah. outside of that small box, um, and that that box is your actual culture, right? Mm -hmm. And the difference. The delta between the first box and the second box are the behaviors, mm -hmm. right? So you want to let let's say incentivize behaviors that leave your culture and also be um, let's say ruthless and and also be kind of always trying to weeding out um, behaviors that are completely far away from um, you leave uh, the, what you state you state is your culture, right? Yeah. And um, the level of tolerance you you give to those quote unquote bad behaviors yeah. will actually di dictate your culture in the end, right? And I think, I mean, I'm a believer of leading by example, right? So mm -hmm. you you should not ask somebody to do something that you are not doing yourself, yourself right? Yeah. And actually, if everyone that has reportees is actually um, having this kind of uh, let's say thinking then yeah. it becomes quite quite easy to cascade down you know how to think yeah. how to how to behave and all that kind of stuff and this is this is not to say as well that there's no space for being you right but uh, but there's like a certain level of behaviors that that we expect right and it might be that if you don't agree with them then it might be not the right place for for the person right but i think yeah. that's one way that you actually can maintain culture that is appealing, that is inclusive, that people can, you know, be entrepreneurial and all that stuff. Yeah. And so that's a little bit how I think about it. But, but it's a hard one. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's hard to quantify, right, if, if you're actually doing a good job. So you're always trying to tweak stuff. Yeah. Like try this, okay, didn't work, do that, asking people for feedback, right? So you're not also deciding stuff in a vacuum. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's definitely a hard one. I think I, I'm at least very proud of, I think, the the culture that we've built here in Barcelona, mm -hmm. right? I, I think there's a lot of 
can-do attitude, optimism. Also, people are like really helping each other. Yeah. And I think it's it's because we we kind of try to to also see or make people see that that's important, right? Yeah. Um, and and not not being tolerant for for behaviors that yeah, unfortunately can create toxicity. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, it is a tricky one, and I think as we continue to grow, it's something that we need to keep at the core as well. Um, but it's it's a good job so far. So, <laughs> um, you mentioned about the talent hub and the importance of it for us as Reboyo, but for our customers and and in the delivery aspect, how important is it for them? Yeah, I mean, I I think um, th- th- there's two answers to that question. So the the first one is how we uh, let let's say the importance for customers that work with the talent hub, mm-hmm. right? I think our mission from the from a talent hub point of view is always quality, mm-hmm. right? That's the number one mission, right? Be beyond any, let's say, KPI that you might have, you need to keep the quality high because then, let's say, uh, you deliver more value for your customers, you you kind of like are a sparing partner for, for your customers mm-hmm. when you are on projects and so on. So that's kind of the importance I see, right? So... Um, nobody wants to work with the talent hub that doesn't bring that level of culture to the game. Of course. Right? So I think that's the, let's say, one angle to answer the the question. Mm -hmm. I think the other answer is, I think the same way that we've created our talent hub and we invested on on skills and people and so on, that's also, let's say, an important dimension for, for our customers when they are building their own teams, right? Their own, whether you call it a center of excellence or the digital services hub or or just the the automation team mm-hmm. uh, our customers go through a very similar journey in in making intelligent automation an exciting topic for, for their staff yeah. as well right mm-hmm. so i think uh, from that perspective and this is uh, perhaps like something that you don't talk a lot right but when mm-hmm. when um, a customer is building like a program of automation, right? So yeah. people and skills, they, they definitely don't appear in that famous kind of, let's say, PowerPoint slide that you do a, yeah. a POV and then you industrialize and then you professionalize <laughs> and then you reach the point of AI, yeah. right? But actually underpinning like any journey, you have your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like if your lead developer leaves because you know, work is not exciting anymore, yeah. then your journey of actually delivering more value instead of being something like that starts to be actually these cycles of, yeah. you know, honeymoon and then, you know, <laughs> disillusion. Okay, the topic is not uh, interesting anymore, yeah. right? So I think you always need the same way that we are kind of trying to make it dynamic for our staff and, and, and in terms of learning and in terms of kind of ambition, I think customers need to do the same. And mm-hmm. something I see very widespread uh, across the market is that customers forgot to to consider, let's say, the operations effort um, in the past, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's kind of this vanity metric of, oh, I'm automating a lot of use cases. And that what happens very often is that a developer that is loving the job because it's automating a lot ends up being stuck in a position where um, I'm now doing support only, right? And and I'm talking now on developers even from the, the customer side. Yeah. And, uh, and the level, let's say, of excitement drops massively, right? And that yeah. poses a, quite, quite a risk in terms of programs, in terms of kind of, you know, like uh, ambition to, to go on to after new technologies. Again. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I think 
our own experience uh, allows us now to have services like maturity assessments and stuff that we also advise exactly. on people and skills mm -hmm. to the customer, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why I think it's important in the end. Yeah, and that's the advisory side of things, I suppose, where we're learning from our own experiences, which is, which is great. So on the Talent Hub conversation and around kind of implementing that for, for clients and in delivery, have you had much experience in terms of actually bringing that into play in terms of, you know, implementing it for people and innovation within a company? Yeah, I mean, we have obviously a lot of kind of, let's say, cases where we build the full governance of teams and mm -hmm. so on. But if I think about the topic talent, one, one of the big themes that we have now uh, being asked is connected with, um, you know, awareness, excitement. Mm -hmm. So how do you actually create, let, let's say, a culture of automation within an organization, right? And I mean, maybe I can tell you a, a cool story that was actually done uh, within the UK. Mm -hmm. We we actually did a project not too long ago that mimicked the, um, the Shark Tank TV show, right? Wow, and okay. So, yeah, yeah. so the whole idea of, of the project was on one hand kind of widespread the the know-how of automation create mm -hmm. kind of awareness of this type of technology so people don't have as much fear of the word automation mm -hmm. uh, as kind of sometimes yep. uh, if you don't know anything about it it can happen and on the flip side we also wanted to create kind of let's say a backlog of cases to to actually implement right on, yeah. and so what we did was through a series kind of, let's say, of ideations and, and kind of marketing initiatives to galvanize the topic, yeah. um, we, we created a, a campaign, right, okay, where yeah. people could submit use cases, they could propose ideas and so on. And then the top cases uh, were pre-selected mm -hmm. and then the submitters from, from each one of these cases got a Roboyo coach, right? Okay. And the coach actually uh, essentially... Uh, build uh, together with uh, with the the person from from the customer mm -hmm. uh, the pitch deck. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. the the person could actually go Very on cool. on one day yeah. to a panel of uh, of uh, of juries of uh, um, comp composed both by our leadership and the customer leadership mm -hmm. and pitch the the idea. Brilliant. Right. So yeah. this is kind of the idea I have. I would uh, try to tackle it with this technology and mm -hmm. so on. And uh, the commits also from from the customer was that the top idea gets implemented. Okay. Right. Yeah, so it yeah. was also not that uh, you know out out of this type of project that you have a huge backlog now you have yeah, to yeah. do everything all at once. It was just that okay we want to create awareness and we commit that the top idea we pursue it. Yeah. Right. And it's uh, and brilliant because it it's a mindset shift as well for the company where it's it's exciting but it's also it's going to be beneficial for them as well. Yeah, and you can actually measure type of excitement by doing let, let's say questionnaires before the pr the project questionnaires after the project yeah. with with different kind of levels of uh, you know technology understanding or whether it's it is kind of just overall fear of the topic and so on mm -hmm. and you can actually measure Track it. Yeah, yeah. Um, if people are actually more leaning towards automation or actually now uh, even more reluctant to do it right yeah. and i think it's uh Again, this was a cool project uh, because yeah. it's kind of a, let's say, an innovative format of doing it. But there's so many examples of now doing citizen development, botatons, mm -hmm. like uh, where you actually put the topic people at, at the heart of the, the whole kind of program. Yeah. And uh, and I think it's 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 a cool way to do it because, I mean, without talent, this, this type of engagements, they, they go nowhere. Basically. Yeah. 
Exactly. And it's interesting when you, you mentioned the kind of citizen development, I suppose, and, and the trainings, because the discussion we had with, with Malika on the podcast as well, you know, talking about how you kind of build that within the company is so important and empowering the people that you have and making them interested. It all ties together. So it's great to see that um, that what we learn within our own company, we can implement as well for, for our clients. You mentioned before about certain trends that are coming in and obviously from where when you started Raboyo you mentioned that we're very good at what everyone does but we're also looking to to strive and to push ahead and really at the cutting edge of technology from your own perspective what do you see as the next big thing I suppose or the capabilities that Raboyo will have over the next couple of years so I, I think in terms of, there's a, a couple of let's say thinking like schemes that uh, everyone is using mm -hmm. in the market which uh, if i look now at the type of you know rfps that we get or or the type of challenges that we're we're getting from from customers that there's def definitely a trend in that direction and the the first one is stopping to think about automation as kind of a project and more like a program right so it's something that I think we were already saying last year, two years ago, but now I, I even look at kind of, let, let's say, RFPs that come from customers and, mm -hmm. and this sentence is there, yeah. right? And that is a, has a lot of, let's say, uh, let's say consequences uh, in your own services, right? Mm -hmm. So you not only have to be extremely good at implementing software, implementing these tools on the technical side, yeah. but we need that, you need that layer of advisory uh, to actually, you know, diagnose what are kind of the, of course, yeah. the customer challenges, what do you recommend and so on, right? And I think uh, also, so, so I think from a service perspective, being able to, you know, be honest with yourself as a consultant, mm -hmm. that you're not here to provide an answer, but you're here to actually write the, ask the right questions and kind of, you know, this is a chess game where you make a move, then you see how the organization reacts, then you make a second move and so on. I think that's the biggest um, kind of thinking in terms of our service portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. Having a, a pretty good advisory layer. Then I think also on the technology side, things are not getting easier, right? So um, we now have customers that started on BPM, customers that started on RPA, customers yep. that started on process mining, and they're all converging into, like, let's say, an ecosystem of technologies, and they're asking you pretty challenging questions, yep. right? So well, what is the best best technology to use this use case, right? And, uh, and you need to develop this point of view, right, on... How are you going to advise also customers technically, yeah. right? Which is, um, you know, you need a sound foundation on, let's say, on the theory of what these technologies are capable to do. How do they actually link between each other, but also how do they link with systems of records of the customers and then advise them properly on, on that as well, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the past you have one one hammer and you go, you attack every every topic with one technology. Yeah. As the space gets broader, I think that also needs to, to like the thinking there also needs to get broader. And then maybe the, the third the third part and which which we've been I know you already talked with with Cam and there's <laughs> going to be an episode on lean and uh, hopefully I didn't mess up now the order of the episode but uh, <laughs> spoiler <laughs> but um, also thinking about processes in a macro level is changing a lot mm -hmm. right so I think when you when I started in intelligent automation 
you were kind of trying to mimic user behavior, right? You understand what the user does, yeah. and then you mimic it with technology in order to you know, alleviate the pain of the user mm -hmm. and also give the hours back to, exactly. um, let's, let's say, to the business to do other, other tasks. I think the level of sophistication also on the process part is changing a lot, right? Now you, you, you're expected to challenge processes, you're expected to optimize them, you're expected to, you know, really quantify whether you use process mining or, or kind of classical consulting yeah. techniques to quantify the pain. And then maybe automation is the answer, but maybe not, right? Yeah. I think that's what, what is changing. And, and a byproduct of that as well is that I see a lot of change in the way that business cases are being done, right? So two years ago, you would kind of go into a, like, let's say a business unit and you would essentially diagnose FTE potential, right? You mm -hmm. would allocate the amount of hours that a process um, takes, you would kind of quantify that and then, okay, here's my backlog for automation just mm -hmm. based on hours. Now, the problem with, with this exercise is that if a process is not done today, nobody does it because nobody has time to do it, but yeah. there's actually a huge, let's say, revenue potential or you're avoiding, I don't know, uh, you're avoiding some, some sort of uh, payment that you need to do because you didn't meet the deadline and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Those type of processes don't come up in when you're no. just allocating hours, right? Yeah. And so there's there's a level also of of business case sophistication that uh, I, I think I'm messing that word, but that, I like uh, it. I like that word. Yeah, you like it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, so the the business case thinking yeah. is also improving a lot, and um, and you know this demands that your consultants also stay up to date with with these trends, right? So I think that's. That's what I see. It is becoming, I think, more interesting because customers already know the basics, mm -hmm. right? So they want to work with you because you're exactly, you know, in depth in the in the theme. So mm -hmm. I think we have an advantage there as well. Yeah, and from you seeing it from a, a director level, seeing that the trends that are coming from the customers, <laughs> how do you relay that information down to? Um, the, us, for example, <laughs> the consultants or the engineers, you know, at, at a lower level, but actually um, being involved in the projects as well. How do you kind of get that message down to them? Um, yeah, I mean, so there's a dimension and you've been also part of this of knowledge uh, management and knowledge mm -hmm. sharing that that is pretty crucial, right? So mm -hmm. we invest a lot in thunder talks, storm talks, like having the, let's yeah. say, the owners of each one of the topic cascading methodologies, like proto uh, prototyping them and centralizing them mm -hmm. so we can actually, you know, like make sure that knowledge navigates Threat the organization, yeah. which, which is definitely, I think, one of the hardest tasks we have ahead, yeah. right? Because with growth... The area and also, we're in. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one, exactly. One, it's not static. Two, we are growing. Yeah. Right. So that's that. There's that, and then it also. Uh, I think it's it also comes with having the right, let's say, meetings with let's say with the level of let's say cascading down, but yeah. also the other way around. Like mm -hmm. a lot of the opinions, I actually have. I'm like on, on a lot of the things that we talk now might actually be done in projects where I'm not directly involved, but I, I need yeah. always to, you know what's to, going to on. Yeah, yeah, to to keep an eye on that. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I used to do a thing and I, I still do it maybe a little bit with less regularity now, which is um, I was always opening 
all the proposals that we were answering, even from other countries, okay, and yeah. seeing like how are we positioning certain like uh, yeah. services. I mean, there's the let's say there's the operational part that I was also looking for materials that I thought like fit also narratives in in um, in kind of like let's say scopings that I'm doing and, yep. and stuff. But then also to see to to grasp a little bit what are actually customers yeah, looking for, yeah. right? And I think you can you can do this irrespective of being a director. Of course, I was doing it when I was a senior consultant, right? You can always do this, yeah. right? Because actually, you you shape it more than me mm-hmm. at, at the the moment, right? Because you're you're really kind of, you know, doing the stuff, involved. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to give the impression that I'm not doing anymore. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but way less, let's say, operational than before, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's one of the the challenges that I also feel this year, which is. How do I keep my my game also on the edge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's it's definitely not getting easier. Yeah. Um, how, just on that, how have you found the transition? You know, in general, you were very much involved in early on in your career in delivery, and then now going into more maybe a more business development role, more of a leadership role. Do do you enjoy it from your own perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's it, to to be quite frank, I I miss the getting really, my yeah. hands dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there was always uh, and and. Like for example, I there's particular projects when we do new technologies that I want to be there. I want mm-hmm. to see. I want to see demos. I want to yeah. to see the let's say the kind of the methodology that we are creating. Right. For mm-hmm. example, we're doing now um, a task mining uh, project in a in a contact center. Mm-hmm. Right. It's uh, the first time I've I've done task mining in contact center. Right. So I know the contact center processes. Yeah. But I want to see how, how comes now task mining into the mix of, mm-hmm. of getting visibility on data. And because I thought that um, that actually this is an area of potential that customers will, will definitely seek, I want to be there and mm-hmm. see it, right? Um, I, I think like like in any job, the challenge is managing a little bit, let's say, time with, with kind of being everywhere and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so also... I think this connects to a thing I, I told you connected on uh, with talent acquisition, which is being being also comfortable that, for example, my repertees know more about a topic and, and not yeah. having like any shame in, um, you know, like Evelina, she's now doing like a lot of work with Appian, right? Mm-hmm. And I asked her, can you do me a one hour workshop? Explain me how you do it. What's the methodology? Because I also want to learn, right? Yeah. And I have no problem to ask these two yeah. people. That's the mindset um, you need, though, to, to yeah. continue to grow as a company. I yeah. mean, if you stack, like, I think in technology, right, uh, our field moves fast, but technology as a whole moves so fast that if you don't, like, continuously try to seek a little bit, uh, yeah. like, the, the, the new trends, but it's also only the, you that will suffer from yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. At some point, you're, you're stuck with stuff that is outdated, and then you kind of lose your edge, and... Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes you need to invest the time on on like on top of the noise of the day, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, before coming here at seven a.m., I was doing uh, like the foundations training from Appian. I'm doing the the Appian Business Analyst uh, certification, yeah. right? I do it uh, maybe before we love the commitment, quote unquote. We love the commitment. Work starts, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. but you, you know that's I think that's also what it takes yeah. to, to kind of stay on the edge in technology, yeah. right? But it's also taking pride in your own work as well, where like, you know, this is obviously good for the company, but it's it's good for you as well. And and if, if it's a passion of yours, then 
it's if it's good for you, it's good for the company. It's a great combination. So yeah, and I, I think this again goes back to your example. Goes back to to Roboy being an entrepreneurial environment, right? So I think the people I see in the company that have kind of the the biggest success and 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 the biggest kind of also recognition, they build their own brand by going after some topics, right? That maybe they are a little bit, let's say. Um, detached from the, what you're actually doing at the moment, but mm -hmm. they kept on uh, on staying relevant, on building those skills, right? And and they proposed ideas and they go after it, right? So you were on on my team in uh, in August, yeah. and you came up with the idea of, oh, why don't we do a podcast, mm -hmm. right? What did we do? We shoot an email, we we get kind of sponsorship on top. Develop a plan. A few yeah. months later, we are here actually doing it, right? Yeah. So I think. That's credit to you because you you pursued it, right? But but that also shows you that there's a space to actually go after the topics and so on, and um, and the information is out there. It's also like for the person to to kind of build those skills and then you know like not staying comfortable. I guess that's yeah. that's the word. Touching words, man. And <laughs> <laughs> um, just to kind of wrap it up now. I kind of I mentioned it before about where you kind of see the technology going, I suppose. But your vision for Roboyo in general, I have to ask you, you've been here since not the start, but very close <laughs> to the start. And you've seen it grow now to over 600, 650 people. Where do you see it going, this rocket ship, as uh, you like to call it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think really in terms of um, really mission we have at the moment is consolidating a lot of the know-how that we have yeah. in the company on on these five technology bubbles that that we have right so we i think we started and it's no secrets on on the robotic process automation field mm -hmm. and through acquisitions partnerships like organically hiring also a lot of talent we now have conversational ai low code bpm um intelligent document processing and process mining right mm -hmm. Um, the big, like, let's say, mission now for us is we have kind of these pockets of expertise and you have kind of different countries tilting in one direction yep. or the other, is widespreading this, this know-how that kind of all of these trends that I was telling you before, they become, let's say, um, a wi widespread knowledge within the company, right? So I think, uh, I think that that's really i think a little bit the mission that we have uh, at the moment mm -hmm. and then i think more more macro in terms of vision i think it's it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking oh we had an amazing journey and it's done i i think i always got the impression that we still have so much to do and so so many challenges to overcome so it's a little bit keeping in the same direction of uh, of um growing not for the the sake of just growing but continuously to kind of develop the company so we provide better services we kind of get more and interesting projects for um for our staff and then we keep pushing a little bit the the envelope on what's possible to do in in intelligent automation right yeah. and i think in a way we're still scratching the surface um of of what's possible to do and it i think sometimes we talk with customers that have been doing it for a while and it creates the illusion that okay like it, it's done it, like automation is kind of now yeah. um you know completely Realized, embedded yeah. within within the culture of of a big organization but is it really yeah. I, I think no there's still a lot to to do there definitely 
Good stuff. Well, I think that's a great place to finish up. Manu, really appreciate your time. You can go back to your Appian training now. <laughs> um, and uh, thanks for welcoming me back to Barcelona with open hands and open arms. So uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again for your time. Cool. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.